Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever by John. John, how are you today? Very well, Rob. Um, recording this in a slightly different environment. I'm actually in the car. I've got booted out of the house because uh, someone else needed the office. So hopefully my audio is all right and um, we can have a good conversation. Yeah, and just to clarify on that, it is your wife who needs the office rather than just some random person's <laughs> come in yeah. and decided to take over your spare yeah, room. The neighbour down the street needed a quiet room. Um, yeah, no, she needs the office today. So I, I didn't give her fair warning. So uh, I'm having to do this from the car. Yeah, well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you and a pleasure to discuss today's topic, actually, um, which is clubs who need big summers. So we've taken a few from Europe's top, well, not actually top five leagues, but mainly focused on Europe's top five leagues. Today, certainly all the countries in the top five. And yeah, we'll discuss people who going into the summer have a lot to sort out, whether that's players, whether that's managers, club structures. There's certainly a lot of work for some teams to do. And just to switch things up today, I'm actually going to start uh, with my first team, partly because I think it's a bit of a surprise for people with the Champions League final coming up this week. But my first team is Inter Milan. But just quickly before I go into it, John, I wanted to get a quick thoughts on your feelings for the final. I've said for quite a while, I think Man City will do it. I think that little glimmer of hope for the underdog that we all have. Um, I feel like it it could be a final that goes to penalties. You know, it's been a... I can't remember in recent history another final that's went to penalties in Champions League. There's probably last season or something, but I just feel like Inter might have a chance in the night, but I, I, I stay, I stand by my decision that it'll be Man City. It'll either be a comfortable 4-0 or it'll be a penalty shootout, in my opinion. I just don't know which way it's going to go. It'll be completely dependent on Inter's tactics on the night and how they perform. Yeah, definitely. And they are a bit more of a cup team. Like, let's say it's not going to be a complete walkover for Manchester City, but I think you'd expect them to win that game nine times out of ten, probably. Uh, I think they've just been in such brilliant form and it's very much kind of like an important final hurdle for them. But yeah, be interesting. Hopefully, I hope Inter can get a goal and if they can get the lead... I think that will make it for a much more interesting game. Yeah, I mean, if they last longer than 13 seconds and they've done better than United, I think in the FA Cup final of the weekend, that completely ruined any game plan that they had. Um, so you just want to get it to Milan to about 15 minutes goalless and then we could have a good cup final on our hands. Definitely. And justice for people who can't last longer than 13 seconds. <laughs> you know, I was going to say it did the job. It didn't. United lost in the end. So, yeah, you need to last a little bit longer than 13 seconds. Good. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Inter. So, the reason I've put them on is because they had a 275 million euro loan to Oak Street Capital. This was just out of COVID. I believe this was in 2021, possibly 2022. But that needs paying back in full this summer. So, they're a U US financing company, by the way. So they've made some of it back. Certainly this run to the Champions League final profits them about £90 million. Uh, they made, obviously, good money on the Lukaku deal, loaning him back for only £6 million when they sold him for 97 But they're still looking at just over £100 million back they need. So there's a shortfall needed this summer. And 
they are going to lose DeVry. They've lost Skriniar already to PSG on a free. Why they've decided to let him go on a free when PSG bid about £60 million for him last summer, I don't know. Edin Dzeko is also out of contract. So I'm looking at their sellable assets, and if you're looking for over £100 million, you're probably looking at getting rid of both Barella and Martinez. I actually don't know what the deadline on this uh, repayback is, but I believe it is in the summer. It's before the transfer deadline day. So they're going to have to do a bit of shipping out of star talent and really try and drive a hard bargain, a high price. You've got decisions to make over someone like Lukaku, whether to bring him back at all, and whether Chelsea will give you as favourable agreement because they could arguably need him back. Um, yeah, they were way off the pace in the league, 15 points behind Napoli. So they've got a bit of a judgment to make whether to try and keep pace with what they're doing. Certainly there's a couple of free transfers they could look at, like a Firmino, a Bellotti. Should they try and just tick over for the next three or four years? Or should they really try and take a bit of a risk, refresh the squad? Again, we've talked about Endicca, we've talked about Marcus Taram on this podcast with a couple of younger free transfers, um, except that they're going to get a bit of a higher price for some of their elite talent. Yeah, it's a, it's a sticky one. They could go in a few different directions, but it's worth them taking a risk on some talent because, yeah, like I say, they're they're losing some top quality talent for free. Yeah, it's a tricky one. And um, you feel it across the Serie A league. Obviously, you've got players coming in, players going out, but Napoli will be rated this year as the league winners. Um, AC Milan just aren't really attracting the level of player that they used to. Juventus will potentially lose some players. Syria could be hit quite a lot with transfers this summer. It's just how much will Inter be able to hold on to their stars. You need to look at someone like Barella. And if he performs in the Champions League final as expected, then surely there's going to be players or clubs in the shop window for him um, because he's a proper footballer. It's an interesting one. I think we've seen far too many times over the last few years Italian clubs losing big name players on a free transfer. I don't know what the transfer policies are over there, but um, I mean, Surely Spurs need players. I mean, Lataro Martinez, where would he go if he is to go somewhere in the summer? You know, how much would they need or want to pay or want in the bank for someone like like that? Um, It's an interesting one. I just don't know how much Inter will be able to bounce back and compete in the next few years with the instability that they have there. Yeah, for me, I think it's it's probably worth them going and just saying, look, we know... Our goal is to try and just get top four for a couple of years because they've still got great talents. Like Spurs have been linked to Bastoni before and I can't see Bastoni wanting to leave just because he's a, a local lad. So they've got, yeah, they've got good talent throughout their squad. They definitely need to just maximise their sales. But yeah, I think it's probably worth selling Martinez for say 70 and then taking a punt on someone like a Julian Alvarez, but the ones who are still in South America at kind of 10 to 15 million. Obviously, you yeah, you probably lose a bit of output doing that now, but you do it towards building a bigger future. And if they can pull on upset in the cup final, then obviously that gives them a bit of a legacy, a bit more of a draw for players as well. So there's options out there, but yeah, they definitely need a huge, huge summer. Very fair. So with that... Very fair. I was going to say Inter could do with taking that type of approach that, that Ajax have had in recent years. Um, and that's exactly what I picked for my first pick. There's been a lot of movement over the last week in regards to managerial um, departures as well as their CEO, Edwin van der Sar, also leaving the club. So at the, this minute in time, they have a squad that's finished third 
behind Feyenoord and PSV, which is, for a club like Ajax, severely below where they want to be. Um, they have had a really poor season from their own high standards, especially in a in a lesser Dutch league. But you look, you've got, they need to fill those voids immediately. Um, they've had, obviously, a bit of drama, a bit of controversy around the likes of Mark Overmars in recent times. And Van der Sar leaving the club probably doesn't help anybody. That provides a level of instability that the club just don't need at this minute in time. They've obviously struggled to replace Eric Ten Hag last summer. Um, John Heitinger, former Everton player, is now the latest manager to be dismissed after a really poor season. So where do you start? Right, Where do you go from here? There's also player departures likely in the summer with the likes of Alvarez on the move to Dortmund. Um, Timbers is being linked with the likes of United and actually turned up at Wembley at the weekend. So what do you do if you're Ajax from here? I mean, you need to... I think winning that league is the only option for an Ajax team. You need to go away and replace Edwin van der Sar as your CEO. They went previously for you know, former players as their CEO. They like to have former footballers take that role. Obviously, someone like Oliver Kahn has just left the similar role at Bayern Munich. Could he come in and do a job for them for the short term, even though he doesn't have that former Ajax player experience? Could he come in and do a job in that role, provide some form of stability back to the club? There's been talk about Peter Bosch, um, who had a really temperamental relationship with Edwin van der Schaar. With Bosch! <laughs> yeah, that sort of took me mid-flow, but I liked it. I'll edit this and make that cut a little bit shorter. Um, but yeah, you've had Peter Bosch, you've had some form of issues with Edwin van der Schaar in recent years, and he was sort of being lined up as the obvious choice for manager now that van der Schaar's gone. But he now looks like he's going to PSV, which would be... Obviously, the replacement for Ruud van Nistelrooy, and it would be a significant shock to Ajax fans. So you've got some managers that could go in and take the job, but it's more so what type of manager are you going to get at Ajax? I mean, are you going to get a proven manager like Antonio Conte? Go to Ajax for one or two years, win everything he can win, and then leave and go somewhere else again? Or are you going to bring in someone like you know Nathan Jones, the greatest attacking manager in Europe? Um, jokingly aside, you've got other experienced managers like Rafa Benitez, could he go to Ajax? Frank de Boer could return even for a 6-12 to 12 month contract, not 6, probably 12 month contract potentially. Luis Enrique looks like he's potentially going to Napoli, so that's off the cards. Could you bring in someone like Joachim Lowe, um, who obviously has been without a job since leaving the German national team? So I would potentially preferably go someone like Antonio Conte if you can get him, if not bring in someone like Rafa Benitez. Oh. Um Antonio Conte just to bring short-term success back, Rafa Benitez to try and steady the ship, even though I think he could be an option for one of my later teams as well. But you need to get some form of stability back. You need to get success back at Ajax. Um, and you need to get them back on track with Ericsson Hag having left last summer and them looking very out of shape this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you've said in terms of kind of like, yeah, where, where they're at. They they do need to look at winning the league title after having their lowest position for, I think it was something like 20 years. The really one, the one that sticks out to me, however, it does look like Tottenham are trying to be all over it. But could you not go put in a bid for Angie Postacoglu and tell him to come there? That one, I think, would fit way more than like a Conte, just in terms of playing style, in being able to use younger players. And when you need to sign players, being able to get players out of Japan, for example, like fairly cheaply. Yeah, you would, but that looks like it's all but done from this morning. So apparently it's all verbally agreed and good to go. So I'll not go. I'm sort of taking it that that 
is done. So that's why I've not went down that route. I mean, another man that I probably would go for, if it was my choice, I'm probably taking for a few jobs at the minute because he has good experience in other leagues, would be someone like Jesse Marsh. I think he would do a decent job at Ajax if he could tap into his experience in the Austrian league, um, like he did with some of the Leeds players that he brought in at relatively inexpensive prices. He could be someone that Ajax should look to, um, but it's about tapping in again with the manager with foreign league experience who understands what they can get for relatively cost-effective price with high resale opportunities because that's what Ajax do, um, but bringing success in the short and medium term as well. Yeah, I I think I like that shout a little bit more, but I'm sure I'm sure there's someone in uh, the Dutch league or uh, obviously I don't I'm sure you've seen Alderweireld's last minute winner uh, in the Belgian league. I'm sure the Antwerp boss or the uh, San Galois, if that's how I pronounce it, bosses uh, are pretty coveted at the minute as well, which could be options for them. But uh, pivoting on, because you've just mentioned Jesse Marsh there, who is a perfect setup to talk about Leeds, really, because obviously he left or uh, got sacked and then they had four games of Sam Allardyce. He's confirmed that he won't be taking them over in the championship. So they need a manager. Uh, Carlos Carvajal is the lead contender um, or a contender. I've seen rumoured. Don't actually necessarily mind that. I think Leeds need to work out what their identity is again, because Hiring Sam Allardyce after famously being quite a pressing football club isn't really simpatico. So manager is definitely something they need to do. The owners is something that they need to sort out. So Radrozani, the Leeds uh, chairman, CEO, whatever you want to call it, he has bought Sampdoria recently uh, on the last day of the season, I think after they got relegated. But he offered Ellen Road as security against the loan that he bought. So obviously that's really upset a bunch of Leeds fans. That's put the future of Leeds potentially at jeopardy if anything was to go wrong there. Now, they were in talks to sell to the San Francisco 49ers group. However, now that they've got relegated, they want to renegotiate that price. And apparently they're also really not happy with this stadium being security against the loan. I mean, why would you be? So there's a whole mix with the ownership as well. Leeds look like they might have been out of the woods. Now they're not. And then, yeah, just as well about their playing squad. So they've gone down with Aronson, who cost them £32 million. Tyler Adams, who cost them £17 million. Voba, £12 million. Sinistera, £25 million. Rocker, £12 million. Dan James, £30 million. So bear in mind, a lot of those are European. Well, none, none of them are English anyway. Um, and a lot of them are European, South American, American. They are huge, huge fees that the other top five leagues just simply cannot afford to pay. I don't know where else you'd get 32 million for Aronson at this moment in time, despite the fact that I think he's quite a decent player. So they're going to have to do a job on to keep some of their squad happy, uh, particularly going into a Euros year next year. Uh, having said that, they have a few who can stay. Ruta's done nothing since he's been there. Uh, Nonto, you might just about to keep because he's young drama you may be able to keep just because um yeah he's he's obviously was on loan from Luton there Roberts Gelhart you've got a few decent players for them in the championship I just worry that uh, their wage bill will be too big or they wouldn't be able to recoup the fees that they've got from the players that they bought yeah yeah solid solid arguments I think if you look at the three that went down Leeds might be the best position to go straight back up potentially in terms of 
I don't think they'll lose that many because I don't think there's many that people will come chasing for. I think Jack Harrison will certainly be one. Um, Aronson and a reduced cost will be one. Tyler Adams is another. But the rest, you might struggle to move on. Um, Sinistera, people could make a, a, a bid for. But yeah, I think the first move that you're going to want to do is get the manager on board and then figure out from there what your playing staff is going to be for next season. And you're probably going to do that as soon as possible. Um, but you're right, I think the fees that they've paid in recent years have been extortionate in regards to the players that they've received on the end of it. Like Dan James for £30 million, for example, completely forgot he was there because he was on loan at Fulham last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, who they bring in. I've heard some talk of Steven Gerrard as well um, going to Leeds. Potentially it'd be interesting to understand if anyone takes a punt at someone like Patrick Vieira as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this season, whether they are able to bounce back. But the first thing that they need to sort, obviously as a whole, is the ownership of the club. Who's going to be owning it for the next year? What form of budget will be made available to them? And then from there they can organise promotion is a viable option for the season ahead for the, for the new manager coming in the door. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, in, interesting to see with these. I quite like those two manager shouts, but yeah, really depends if you can get them. Sinistero is actually probably a good shout to try and get a move to Ajax, actually. But again, they've started to spend a bit more money in recent years, Ajax, but like they're not going to pay over 18 million, I can imagine. So yeah, be interesting. Nice. Well, that moves on nicely to, to my next choice, and that is another relegated club from the Premier League, and that's Leicester City. One that probably nobody would have picked at the start of the season for a club that would get relegated this year, but one that's really struggled in the financial in the transfer market in recent years with the clear and obvious frustration of Brendan Rodgers going into the season with very limited budget again made available to them. This year, they're going to see probably the vast majority of their playing staff walk out the door because they will be slightly different to Leeds in that people will come knocking for their players but they also have eight players on a free transfer leaving one of which we covered last week in, in uh, Suyanchu he'll be going to Atletico Madrid on top of that they have historically not spent over the last sort of three seasons um, and that's as a result of again another £92.5 million loss from last summer they just looked like they had no strategy no plan um, as they got rid of Rodgers towards the end of the season, brought in Dean Smith, which was one of the matter, uh, modern day Premier League appointments that we've seen between Dean Smith and Sam Allardyce. But I'm not really sure where they go from here. Um, they have the likes of Yuri Tillemans leaving Sayonchu, as we've t- spoke about. Uh, we will see the likes of Madison leave Barnes, whether Jamie Vardy sticks about, we will wait and see. Um, I would say the vast majority of their playing squad will go this summer and will be in the shop window and up for grabs. The likes of Castagna um, is highly rated across Europe. He'll go somewhere. Ricardo Pereira will definitely leave. So it'll be interesting to see who they're able to hold on to because I think there is a significant rebuild job there needed. And it's what form of budget will be made available to the incoming manager to do that because Leicester City will want to get back into the Premier League. You know, former Premier League winners, Recent FA Cup winners, um, probably not a position that the owners expected them to go into in terms of falling into the championship. But it's sort of what you get if you don't invest, you don't back your manager and you ask him to do a job on a shoestring budget with players continually going out the door. And I think that's what's happened with Brendan Rodgers. So he's 
a much better manager than I think he's been allowed to be in recent years. And I think for the manager coming in the door, it's going to be someone who has been able to work on a shoestring budget, potentially been able to work with difficult owners, and potentially someone who you would have experience in getting the club out of the championship and back into the Premier League. And for me, someone like Rafa Benitez would be ideal for that job right now. Um, going down an experienced manager route, who's able to get the best out of the players that he has available to him. Um, whereas also being able to work on a shoestring budget like he did under Mike Ashley at Newcastle would be probably the ideal scenario for Leicester City right now. But the decisions that they make probably over the next three to four weeks will, I think, determine their positioning as a club over the next three to four years. And it's whether it's going to be a one season in the prim- in the championship and bounce straight back and then solidify them again as a Premier League club or whether they will languish in the championship for the upcoming seasons because they have not backed the manager enough to provide them with the playing squad to get back to the Premier League. And um, I think that's a position where they need to be. I think it's a position all the fans obviously want them to be. But it's a really, really sensitive time for Leicester City because they need to get back to where they're expected to be. But they'll need to spend money to do so. And they'll probably have a playing staff for around 8 to 9. Realistically, whenever you, you analyse who they have in their on their books today. Yeah, I think I think they kind of need that lower playing staff just because yeah they they're going to completely need to rebuild. Obviously, a lot of players there are on high high wages. They say it's never good to go down, but in Leicester's case, I think they probably have a few players ticking over the hundred k mark, which you can just about deal with when you're a top ten club and you have high priced assets to sell, like their Maguire, their Chilwell model. You can't really deal with it as you become a bottom 10 club. And certainly someone like Vardy, for example, on way over 100k and has been for years. It's difficult to to do that unless they're producing top, top output for you. So, yeah, probably need a bit of a reset. Um, yeah, decide who wants to stay, who wants to go. It's a squad that's crept up in age. Like certainly when they won the league, it felt kind of like fresh and new, but you've now got quite a few veterans in there whose fitness hasn't always been the best. Someone like Johnny Evans, for example, can really do a job for them in the championship, but barely see him play in the last year. So less is an interesting one. And yeah, I, I don't know if Dean Smith necessarily is the man. I think give him the benefit of the doubt for now, but yeah, yeah, I think Evans is one of those players that have their contract has officially expired. I do agree. I think he would do a job in the championship alongside Harry Suter if you're able to keep hold of him. Um, just don't think convinced Dean Smith is the man for the job. It'll be interesting to see who they get in the door. Yeah, and I think they'll be able to keep hold of Harry because I don't think he has many suitors. Saw that one coming, lined it up for you. But. Uh, Thank Let, you. Let's thank you. Your next pick, your third, your third club. Yeah. So, um, from perennial winners uh, Leicester City off to PSG, uh, similarly silverware laden. Um, so yeah, this this seemed like an easy one. Obviously, Messi is off. Neymar has his annual rumours about being off. Sergio Ramos is out of contract. Uh, Gaultier, the manager, has accusations of using racist language and things like that. So that seems like a fairly unhappy marriage is going to come to an end. They have quite a bloated squad. Kimpembe and Soler had under a thousand minutes. Someone like Paredes left on loan last year and come back to the club. 
and yeah, they've they've talked for a while about basically how they become a Champions League ready. The owners have kind of talked up. Obviously, part of the reason they bought PSG was just the unbelievable talent that comes out of Paris. However, they always then seem to let kind of some of their younger talent go and leave and thrive. But there's there's two options here. There. One is kind of go full French mode. So look at someone like Diaby, Moussa Diaby, the Bayer Leverkusen winger. Rabiot's out of contract this year as well, who is, again is a Parisian, used to play for PSG. So they could go that style in the, champ, in the, in the market and try and get some people who love the club, know the area. Or they think they can kind of go for some more defensively minded players so that I don't I don't think Neymar will be able to leave but you can't just in the Champions League now you've got to play as a team or you've got to have some players who kind of do the dirty work and PSG have tried that with someone like Idrissa Gay but they need the younger the kind of better versions so could they go and get Moises Caicedo out of Brighton um the Corey's had a brilliant year for Palace and leads the Premier League in terms of number of tackles he would be a really interesting option in the middle Uh, I've looked at some other players who profile really well kind of defensively for their positions Brendan Aronson wouldn't be the worst shout for PSG to go put in a bid there for obviously very high energy um, very productive Tammy Abraham in terms of forwards links really well for his defensive work as well that could be an interesting option kind of allow Mbappe that Giroud-esque figure as well to pivot off of who could be I'm not saying necessarily for every game but certainly could give them an interesting tactical option so yeah I think there's plenty that they can do there with their playing staff any comments on that? Hugh there was actually a few movements um, on some of the players that you spoke about overnight Um, it looks as if PSG are going to get Manuel Ugarda from Sport in Lisbon, it looks like they've beaten Chelsea to nice. him, so he'd be a really good addition to that to that squad. Um, as well as that last night, Tommy Abraham did his ACL in Roma's last league game. So, um, ah. unlikely at this point, but I do agree. I think having that sort of defensive capabilities and the defensive experience would be crucial to getting PSG over the line. I think we've seen them try to do it with the best attacking talent in world football. And they haven't been able to, to do it that way. So do you go for someone like, you know, Jose Mourinho to come in and provide the tactical defensive expertise to try and win a competition as he was close to doing with the Europa League this year? And he could potentially bring in someone like Dybala, who has a €12 million Euro release clause for European clubs this season as a solid backup option. Um, but I think they do need to do work. They need to restructure one club that I've got on my list could potentially go for Kylian Mbappe this year as well. So it's, you know, if he walks out the door, you have a significant rebuild job on your hands. And I think regardless, they probably need to look at what's went wrong over the last few years, what's went right. And are they any further on than they were four years ago? And I I just don't think they are. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, again, we'll come to it later with uh, Thomas Tuchel, but I think, History shows what a good job he's done kind of there because obviously getting PSG to a a Champions League final is it's unprecedented at this point in time. The recent link for Brizio Romano has been talking this up a bit. I think it's so interesting would be for PSG to go get Julian Nagelsmann. I would really love to see that happen. I think they can then become 
kind of a very fun team. But I think he'd be able to fix dynamism out of their attack. And I think with that, someone like Mbappe would just explode. Yeah, I would agree. I think Nagelsmann would be ideal for them. Um, whether he wants to just sit and wait for you know, a Real Madrid, potentially, um, next season with Carlo Ancelotti out of contract, or sit and wait for well, a top job that might become available, I don't know. But I just don't see that appeal with PSG, personally. Um, but I do obviously understand what you're getting if you go there. But for a 38-year-old manager, if he is 38, um, is PSG the, the right next move? I think if you get it right, you're guaranteed at least a league title. But you will need to win a Champions League within two seasons to be deemed a success, really. Yeah, see, this is where I think it's a interesting choice because someone like Poch has never gone out of the name of that of the ring for the Real Madrid job. And obviously, he didn't actually even win the league title in his first year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. While well, I just sneeze there. Mitigating circumstances because he took over mid-season. Uh, but obviously, he then, I think he won a double in his second year. It wasn't enough for PSG. But I don't think your name necessarily quite gets tarnished. It's like the Chelsea job. You might have some success there. You might have a slight down year, get sacked. And then, actually, is your name any worse for it? I don't necessarily think so. Yeah, no, I, I do get it. I do get it. Um, even you look at the likes of Ancelotti. And that, I mean, that sort of goes on to my next team. My next team is Real Madrid that I've chosen. And I think um, you've spoke about PSG and their ambition to win the Champions League. And Real Madrid have obviously won it, what, five times in the last nine seasons, I think it is. But big news coming out over the weekend is... Karim Benzema is gone to Saudi Arabia, as well as that they've officially terminated the contract of Eden Hazard, who probably goes down as the worst transfer of all time um, in regards to the financial package surrounding it. But yeah, I think I think it's a year for a rebuild at Real Madrid as well. Uh, you, they will need to get in a top quality striker. It looks as if they will be spending €100 million Euro on Jude Bellingham. And it's, do they pair him up with Harry Kane or do they go all out for someone like Kylian Mbappe? And that sort of links back into what PSG need to be doing this season because they'll need to know whether they have their talisman on their books or not. Um, I think you look at Real Madrid from this season alone to sort of finish the season with no La Liga, no Champions League, um, in a year that Barcelona, you know, I think the achievement of winning the league for Barcelona goes under the radar based on the financial fair play issues that they had and the way in which they had to construct a squad out of effectively nothing from Xavi. And he's done an incredible job with what resources he's been provided. Um, they, they find ways to register players somehow. I have no idea. But I think in the times of instability at Barcelona for Carlo Ancelotti's Real Madrid team to fall 10 points behind them is a really poor season. And I think... Ancelotti could have been under scrutiny if it hadn't have been for the links to the Brazilian job and maybe they just want to hold, keep hold of Ancelotti and keep him away from those you know, rumours um, for another season until his contract finishes in 2024. At that point, who do you go for? But this summer is, is vital for them to understand whether they will continue their European dominance, um, will put up a better battle in the league for next season and whether they're going to be able to replace Karim Benzema, who is the last standing part of that trio of Bale, Benzema, Ronaldo. So 
it's going to be crucial to see who they replace him with and, and whether they can do that effectively to be the leading striker to play with Vinicius and Rodrigo for the next few years. Yeah, and who who are you looking at names to do that? Francelotti. I think I think it'd be the right thing to to do. Either you keep hold of him for another year, or um, or you bring in Nagelsmann. And for me, for replacement of Benzema, I, I go all out for Harry Kane. I think Lewandowski has proven this season that you can do a job in La Liga until your mid thirties, and I think Benzema has proven that as well. So I would think that Real Madrid would have four to five top seasons of of Harry Kane as their centre-forward, and as a centre-forward who could score goals, but also link the play really nicely. So you could go for Harry Kane, who would be my first choice. You could go for Mbappe, who I'm not sure how well that dynamic would work, um, or you could go for someone like Osman. They are being linked with uh, Kai Havertz. I'm not really sure how that would work. He's not a, an out-and-out goal scorer, as you would be looking for Benzema. I'm not sure whether he would be the Benzema replacement option. Um. But I, I personally would go for Harry Kane because we all know that the view over the next two to three seasons is for them to go for Holland. And I think going for an older striker that Harry Kane is today um, would be absolutely fine for their long-term strategy of getting Erling Holland in the door as well. Yeah, so I was thinking this actually because I know Kane's after the Premier League record and stuff and it's so difficult for him to... United is basically the only Premier League move on for him at the minute. I think there is a world where Harry Kane goes to Real Madrid for two years, Tottenham buy him back for, say, like, I don't know, 35 million, 40 at 32. Real Madrid then go get Haaland, and then Kane can still beat the Premier League record. It would be, make it much more tighter. But, yeah, he could he could come back to Tottenham, kind of keep his spurs legacy but then a lot of the things surrounding him about never having won anything and all of that kind of thing goes as well oh that's cute <laughs> that's never gonna happen ever it's not gonna be another real type moment it's um if he's gone he's gone just let go rob just like let, let go of harry kane look if martin luther king can have a dream <laughs> i can too just load him for two years um no, no, not Lane. Sell him. That's not going to happen. I think his two options this year are United and Real Madrid. And if I'm Harry Kane, I, I go to Real Madrid. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he will, though. Because the thing is, there are other mitigating circumstances. I think he's got four children or three and one's on the way. So it's a lot to get them up and out of school and things as well. Yeah, David Beckham was able to do it. So we'll wait and see, but I don't know. I think Real Madrid have a significant job on their hands this summer. I think they're getting to the point where obviously Cruz is aging, Modric is aging, but looks like those two will sign new contracts and stay for another year or two. Um, but whenever you have the likes of Benzema walking out the door, you have a, a void to fill probably at left back as well. Um, you're losing a decent rotation option in Marco Asensio. Uh, Nacho and Danny Carvajal, Carvajal. Danny Caballos look like they're going to sign a new contract as well. So you're keeping hold of some of the rotation players. You're losing some rotation players, but to be losing someone like Benzema, um, probably a year earlier than they expected to, is is going to play a significant part in their summer transfers and their overall plans for 2024, 2023, 2024. Okay, yeah, definitely. I think um, carrying on with the theme of the heavyweights, I'll go into Bayern München. 
So I don't think they expected to win the league title. I think you sent me, obviously, when Dortmund took the lead because it would have made your prediction right. Uh, but obviously they bottled it a little bit on the final day and Bayern were able to swoop in. But before that league title or around the time of that league title, rumours were spreading that Khan, their CEO, had gone and uh, Hassan Salihamidzic, their sporting director, were both sacked by the club. I don't know if you saw Thomas Muller's on-pitch interview, but he was actually told about it during the interview and obviously incredibly shocked at that. Uh, the Athletic reported this as basically it was a bit of a cover-up. So if Dortmund won the league, it was Bayern's way of taking a bit of the shine off it, taking a bit of the news coverage of it, which is proper, proper villainous. Um, but yeah, they've obviously brought in Thomas Tuchel mid-season. Apparently they wouldn't have got rid of Nagelsmann. They'd have just kept things going there, despite it being a bit unhappy behind the scenes. But they f- believe they have their man and kind of a once-in-a-lifetime, once I guess, opportunity to go get him, particularly on a free. But their styles are completely different. So one thing Tuchel wants to do apparently is play Kimmich a bit further forward. He wants to break up that middle two of Goretzka and Kimmich. So they'll need a central defensive midfielder, which is why you're seeing the uh, West Ham Declan Rice links. Um, And they've also talked, I think it was Khan, talked about having £100 million in the bank, which is so unlike Bayern, but they were talking about having that for a striker. So again, they've been flirting with like Harry Kane, Kolo Mwani is an option. However, he's not exactly young and I don't think he's ever hit more than 13 league goals in a season. I've put in my notes, could they go out and bid for Lautaro Martinez? That could be quite interesting. But in a market where a lot of people are looking for a CM, United, Chelsea, Bayern, Real are all looking for a striker. Be interesting to see what they do. What are your thoughts on Bayern's, uh, Bayern's outlook at the minute? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. So they've been linked with a number of players. Obviously, Kane and reports last week were sort of mentioning that he had told Bayern Munich that he wasn't interested in a move, which is a bit mad because you're if for a player that's looking to add to his trophy cabinet, that's an absolute certainty. Um, they've also been linked with Ollie Watkins, which is a really interesting name to throw into the mix because under a good manager of Unai Emery, he's, he's absolutely exploded and he's had an absolutely unbelievable second half of the season and he looks a real goal-scoring threat. So that could be one to keep an eye on. But the other names that you're always going to be linked with, right? that you're always going to throw in the likes of a you know Martinez or an Osman or Kane or whoever else might be out there. But there are limited options if you want a world-class centre-forward today. Um, someone who would come in and do the job and be highly successful very quickly. You look at what Mane has done at Bayern Munich and they were not impressed in the slightest, which is why they're on the lookout for uh, an out-and-out number nine. Um, I would have Again, I would have went Kane, but I could see... I think Osman will be too expensive for them. So I think you'll see a stranger centre-forward choice end up at Bayern Munich. And I would keep an eye on Ollie Watkins and see if something that could be done there because I don't see him moving to a a big four type club in, in, in England. And I think going abroad could be the perfect choice for him. Yeah, uh, what, yeah, Watkins, it was kind of a name and rumour that didn't make any sense. And then you think about it and yeah, you can start to see what the appeal is there. Um, because they have Matthias Tell, the kind of like, 
young prospect. I've actually put that maybe Firmino's a really good place for him to go. Obviously knows the Bundesliga um, and yeah, get, gets goals, certainly as he's kind of transitioned from more as a cam to a centre forward. He could be interesting. Lewandowski never had to do much pressing in the Bundesliga. So yeah, obviously that side of his game can be reduced and he can kind of just focus more about getting goals. I think that would be really interesting whilst maybe they take a couple of years to work out who the next best thing out of Germany is. In the centre midfield stakes, so yeah, apparently they are literally waiting to talk to Rice immediately, but I believe he wants to stay in London, so Arsenal makes sense. But I've put Bubakar Kamara could be interesting. Onana from Everton could be very interesting. But uh, the guy I've actually listed as just this has a buy and move all over it is Eric Martel, who his transfer marks value is 7 million. He's a Köln um, under 21 midfielder, also plays for Germany at under 21s. But he's got top 89% for tackles, top 83% for interceptions and top 96% for clearances this year. I think possibly a little too soon for him, but I think that's a perfect Bayern Munich move to make. Yep, solid option. Um, just for to be different, I'll throw out two different players because I actually think Declan Rice to Bayern Munich could happen. Um, but in the case that it doesn't, I'll throw in Ingolo Kante to sync back up with Thomas Tuchel in Munich. Um, and I will also throw Gonzalo Ramos at you for their centre-forward option. Gonzalo Ramos, I think, is a brilliant shout. Uh, can say difficult because I think his legs have gone. Um, and I, German football in a weird way, I think, is obviously it's very high tempo. Generally, it's the highest scoring league in Europe as well. I kind of feel like for Kante's sake, he should go to like Italy or Spain where you can be um, a little more retirement homey. But I don't hate the shout. If they could get him on a free transfer for two years on reasonable yep, wages, no, I don't hate it. it. It would give him a one to two year contract on decent wages um, and whether you can make that work, we'll wait and see. But whenever he's been on the pitch for Chelsea in the last year, he's looked exceptional still. But it's just getting him on the pitch is a really difficult bit. Definitely. Do you want to hit me yeah, with your so, next pick? Um, I obviously went for Liverpool. I think it's a massive summer for Liverpool and one that's been waiting in the wings for absolutely years. It's, you know, we, we've looked like we flirted with Jude Bellingham for the last three seasons and now we're not going to get him. And that's quite embarrassing for the club um, because we effectively forfeited last season because we've needed sentiment feelers for three years. We've signed one sentiment feeler in the last five or six years and that was Thiago um, Alcantara, who again is another one who just can't seem to stay fit. So it'll be an interesting summer um, for Liverpool to finish outside the top four is not acceptable, um, devastating, but it's it's based on the lack of investment that there's been in the squad in recent years and especially around the centre midfield um, position. We, we saw a few times when our midfield clicked, it worked for us this year. You know, Liverpool against United was an example of that, where Fabinho, Henderson and Elliot were exceptional. But Henderson's fallen below the boil this year. Fabinho was massively off the boil this year. And we saw how that impacted the rest of the, the rest of the playing team um, in terms of the ability to perform on the pitch. Mason Mount going to United, by the looks of things, is another really big indicator of, of where Liverpool are at right now because it's probably the first player in the last five seasons that have chosen United over Liverpool. Um, so that is an indication that 
not having Champions League football will impact the strategy of Liverpool for, for the summer ahead. What we've done is we've obviously lost Michael Edwards in recent years. We've lost Julian Ward now this summer. We've brought in uh, George Gamaka on a short-term contract from the Bundesliga, where he was previously. Um, he's specifically been tasked with looking at the Bundesliga in terms of players coming in and incoming potential arrivals. So one suggestion that you put out a, a while back was Manikune. That's one player that we're apparently having talks with. I think everybody understands that Alexis McAllister at this point looks like it could be happening. And the rumoured fee is much, much lower than the 60 to 70 million that Liverpool were expecting to pay. And I think it's closer to around 45 million, which is a very, very good piece of business being done very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the squad. We likely need three centre figures. So McAllister would be one. Uh, Kone, if we can get him, would be a second. And I think Turam uh, would be a really nice third. Whether that's available, we will wait and see. Uh, but we also do need centre halves. I think Joel Manup will go out the door. Joe Gomez could potentially go at a, at a reasonable price. And we'll need a backup goalkeeper as well. So there's so much restructuring that we'll need done to a squad that's sort of been together for the last five years on the clock. There hasn't been a lot of ins and outs. Um, has been, you know, Nunes still needs to settle. Luis Diaz, for me, still needs to settle a bit. Um, Jota needs to get back into, into form, um, get back into fitness. And adding someone at the back, maybe like uh, Xander Vane, Decker that we previously spoke about, Vardy will be ideal, but that's not going to happen. It's going to be too expensive. Um, whether Benjamin Pavard could be available as that Joe Gomez replacement, um, especially potentially allowing Trent to then move further up into midfield and having Pavard as the right-sided centre-half alongside Canate long-term or Van Dijk over the next few years could be really beneficial for someone like Liverpool as well. I just think it's a big rebuild year. Um, falling below the Champions League standards is probably a bit of a wake-up call for Liverpool. Uh, having seen someone like Mason Mount reject Liverpool for United is another big indication that Champions League football is a must and we've fallen below the standards that we've set. And we need to get back to competing with a nearly unbeatable Man City team. And, um, and hopefully that's where Liverpool can get to next season under a busy summer with Klopp and... Um, and the new director of football in the door. Yeah, nice. I think, uh, yeah, obviously they fell a bit below their standards this year. I think there's there's good signs for Liverpool, obviously, with that little win streak towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, there's there's certainly some work to do at centre-back and across the midfield. But the, the early signs are good. Like the fact that you're linked with Turam, you're linked with Kone. Um, it seems like you know, at least Liverpool know what area of the pitch they have to work with. I think sometimes uh, with some of these clubs, with certainly who your next pick is, it's not immediately obvious which part of the pitch or what players you need to get in and get out straight away. So, yeah, I think Liverpool, they'll be they'll be back up. Whether they'll be challenging next year, I don't know. But I think they'll certainly uh, be back in contention for a cup and top four. So my final pick is Brighton. Obviously, 
Brighton are in this list because that because they've done so well. Actually, so many of my teams, when you look at Bayern, PSG, they're in the list, but they've won the league. It seems a bit uh, a bit harsh to put them in there, but yeah, they're in Europe for the first time, so they probably need um, strengthening of their squad. They've actually done a lot of that work quite early. Milner, I think Dahoud is a fantastic buy, similar to Akanji there because. He didn't necessarily have the best fitness record. You can pick up a bargain sometimes. João Pedro is very highly rated. Be interesting to see how he can do it in a Brighton team that creates a lot of chances. But I put them on because, yeah, they have players like Alexis McAllister, Caicedo. Both of those two have been rumoured to leave. Uh, you will probably get about £150 million for them if they do, which is obviously great to reinvest. And if you do get that much money, can you look at starting to do punchier signings? We've mentioned someone like Aronson and Onana in the episode so far. Uh, with Yuri Tienemans being on a free, can you pay him a bit more money? I think it's difficult to tell Brighton how to do their recruitment because they do it so well. But obviously, with more game time this year, they're going to need to pack out their squad. And I've got a couple of positions that they probably need to look at. So their goalkeeper being one, I think Jason Steele has done pretty well since he's come in. But he's a good passer. I don't think he's an exceptional shot stopper. Um, could they look at getting David Raya? Possibly not, because I think he's thinking a bit punchier himself. But um, Albert Lafont at Nantes is a really interesting option. He's exceptional compared to his xg he saved them about 10 xg in the last two seasons and started to become a better uh, cross stopper um, and then the other one you need to look at as well is levi colwell probably going back to chelsea there's a guy at um Lons called medina 24 argentinian center back he profiles very similarly as a left-footed centre-back uh, and he's got four assists this year in the league, which will tell you a bit about his ball-playing capabilities. So he could be a really interesting shout as well. Nice. I like it. In terms of goalkeeper, I will throw Kelleher into that as well. I think he would be exceptional for Brighton in terms of a, yeah. a ball-playing goalkeeper. Um, I would argue he's as good, if not slightly better, with his feet than, than Allison. Um that's how good he is with the ball at his feet. I think he's a really good goalkeeper as well once he gets a, a few games under his belt. But I agree, I think. I don't know what's happened with Robert Sanchez. He's probably one that needs to, to leave this summer. Um, And I... I agree. Particularly for the Euros squad. And you could probably get 20 million yeah. for him. So, yeah, I think he, he'd be interesting for one of the promoted clubs, I think. I'm surprised that he wasn't being linked with Brentford because David Raya will leave Brentford. And I just thought Robert Sanchez would be a really good replacement for him. But um, he could be an option for one of the promoted clubs. He could be an option for, you know, to see him go to back to La Liga or somewhere else. But I think all solid options. I think Colwell, as much as he didn't start the season, he finished it really strongly. And we talked about him quite a while back before he was sort of making that Brighton 11. And he's, he's just an exceptional footballer. So whether you can look in the lower leagues in championship or league one or probably championship um, or foreign leagues to bring in that replacement. We'll wait and see. I think whenever they came up to the championship, tapping into someone like Joel Veltman was quite a successful transfer. And whether you go for somebody like that in a, in a different international league or you take advantage of England and, and what is already available to you. Definitely. So that's sort of you, you alluded to my last pick. Um, one of us had the cover Spurs because it's probably the biggest rebuild and the most important summer for Spurs probably since Beale left. Um, and 
that didn't go overly well back then either. And it's already looking like it's not going overly well at Spurs today. I mean, they, they sacked Conte. You were sitting fourth. You then finished, what, ninth in the Premier League. Um, So I think Levy's completely lost the fans since we did our last podcast about where the Spurs go from here. I think he's completely lost the fans. Um, I think people are looking for him to start getting things right or, or leave the role. And that would probably end up being a sort of selling the club type of perspective. But there's so many different areas that Spurs need to focus on. Um, obviously, getting the manager on board is number one priority for them. Even though, for me, um, it sounded as if Nagelsmann was open to a potential move to Spurs, but they didn't sort out and they had no real onus on sorting out the director of football role, which is mental after, you know, Paratici was found guilty and banned from football, I think, was for three years globally, um, which sort of tied Spurs' hands in terms of that role. But why they didn't go all out to find a director of football and maybe go searching in the market with Nagelsmann, I don't know. I think that was the obvious choice, was to go and get a director of football, pair him up with Nagelsmann, and be like, do it for the next five, six years if you're going to be on board for a long-term project. But they didn't go down that route. There's been no, I don't know if there's been any major you know, conversations happening for the director of football role. It's madness to me that there isn't. But obviously they're looking at the managerial position first, and they went for sixth choice and Postacoglu. And I think the issue with Spurs is they very openly go for managers. Like, it's never a, a secret. We all know that they wanted Nagelsmann. We all know that they spoke to Luis Enrique. They then wanted, apparently talks were that they wanted Vincent Company, which then triggered him to sign a new contract at Burnley. They then wanted Javi Alonso. They went, then wanted Arne Slot. And all of this was so openly known in the football world that I'm shocked that Ange Postacoglu's even went. Um, But... I think you're getting a decent manager there if you give him time and allow him to build the squad. But it just doesn't, I don't know, I'm not a Spurs fan, but it just doesn't sound like they're you know, going for the sixth choice manager. You already know that if things aren't going well, then he might be under a bit of pressure. So we'll wait and see. Hopefully the, Spurs, the, the fans give him time, but he'll have a difficult job when he does join because you're looking like Harry Kane will be out the door potentially. Um, you're looking at club captain Hugo Lloris will like will be leaving as well, potentially going back to Nice. Um, so there's a massive requirement for a rebuild there, especially with the amount of players that you still have on the books, because you're bringing in, you know, your doggy is in this summer, Winks, uh, Reglon, and Dombele, Lacelso, Rodon, all coming back to the club from loan. So how can you? incorporate them back into the team, which is what Ndombele wants to do, or how can you get a decent price for them, which is probably what you're looking to do with the likes of Maselso, potentially. So, you will need to sell, you will need to clear up some of the ranks to bring in new players, but what level of budget will possibly be provided to him whenever he does come on board? There's so many, and there's been quite a, a requirement for a while for Spurs for a centre-half. You know, how can you get that done? You will need centre midfielders. How do you get that done? You potentially will need a Harry Kane replacement or do you pass the reins completely over to Richarlison and, and maybe bring in you know, someone like Kyogo from Celtic or Maeda from Celtic and bring some of the players that he knows, Jota at Celtic, bring him in as a backup option. Um, so there's so much that needs to be done at Spurs from 
I would have went and, and looked for a director of football, first of all, to appoint in a manager, um, to then rebuilding the squad, because you will need a goalkeeper, you'll need a centre-half. You look as if you're finding a right-back with Pedro Porro, and obviously Jed Spence has yet to be given a chance. Left-back, you've got Udogi, and you'll probably need to get rid of Perisic, who's going to be on big wages as well. You'll need a centre midfielder with the style of football that Postecoglou plays. It doesn't lend itself to a Hoiberg in terms of that sort of barber role where he plays the ball short back and sides and doesn't do much running in there. He will want a runner. He'll want someone who presses, who pushes, you know, alongside Bentinger, who's who's still due to be out for a while. Um, Tillemans doesn't really fit that void in terms of a pressure pressing type of player, but could be a really good third option in there on a free transfer. But you will need a runner available to you. Um, again, Son had a really poor season. This went under the radar because we're speaking about Richardson and uh, Larice and a number of other players who have been poor for Spurs. But Son needs to build his game back up. Um, Kudievsky is a good player and you'll get the best of him. But it's such a big job that Postacoglu's got on the cards for himself now. And there's so much to do. So where do you start? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'll start with the fact that we finished eighth, not ninth. So, you know, things clearly aren't as bad as yeah, but I they mean, could the thing, be. The big, thing is, um, the big thing is this season, right? If you don't get it right this summer, Spurs could very quickly become yeah. you know, a, mid, a mid to lower table. Oh, it's back, and it could to, be back to the 2000s again. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. I think in a weird way, the um, no European football gives a chance of a reset enables us to get a few players out I think most fans are backing Angie because um, they're saying that he plays really good football so and like a modern style inverted fullbacks that type of thing so I think Spurs fans are prepared to give him a go yeah the, the whole manager shortlist thing is weird I don't think it's every team builds a five to ten man shortlist like that isn't a unknown thing however just how well known everyone who's on Spurs shortlist is just ridiculous and why they can't have a conversation in private so we didn't go for slot in the end because he would have been 10 million to get out of the club um and yeah various different various different things I think there was a bit of slot kind of using it as leverage to negotiate a new contract as well same with company but like why have them as open names under your list if you can't realistically get them. Same with Xabi Alonso. I think that was literally just a Daniel Levy is a fan of the work that he's been doing rather than any concrete follow-up. But it doesn't look good for when you hire someone who then isn't Xabi Alonso. So yeah, the manager Mario go around is hopefully over. And playing squad, personally what I would do is Tottenham. It depends if you can. There's talk that we will go out and start cancelling contracts in June if um, if the players can't be moved on. Someone like a, I don't know if he's on the list, but someone like a Davinson Sanchez could be victim to that. But yeah, I think Tottenham need to try and get their playing squad down to about 22 players that they're happy with. And then, yeah, look at building from there. I think there's work to do apparently across all the club, according to someone like Alistair Gold with data. Apparently we have really good data people. They just don't have the systems. There's work to do in the medical department. Tottenham seem to carry a lot more injuries than other teams in and around them. You look at someone like a city and maybe it is the fact that they rely on a smaller squad is able to get more of their players up to fitness. Tottenham, yeah, when they do have a fit playing squad, 
I put it inverted brackets because someone like Kuliseski has not quite seemed right all year. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of work to do for Tottenham. The number one thing is now you've got your manager in, tell him he's got two years and just back him to a hilt. Like, as you say, there may be players in there like a Hoiberg who doesn't quite work for him. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, but if it doesn't work for your manager, get the problem solved sooner rather than later. And you could get 15, 20 million for Hoiberg. Maybe that would be useful money to really work on. And again, I would do what Arsenal did in the summer, only sign, say, three players, but try and make them all first team starters. So that's what I yeah, would do. I think I mean, there, there's definitely players available to you as well. I think, I think someone like Lavia would be perfect in that centre midfield role um, for Southampton or from Southampton to Spurs. Someone like that could be ideal if you're looking for an out-and-out striker. I don't really know where you go because it will cost an absolute fortune to replace Harry Kane. So do you put sort of all of your backing at Richarlison and go for a less lesser proven um, sort of backup slash rotation option potentially. Whether you go for, you know, Kyoto, for example, who's a really solid player for Celtic and, and sort of tipped as their best striker from since Henrik Larsson. Um, you could go for someone like that who's less proven but who, who will give a you know a solid shift for you and will will do the job when needed. Um but yeah, I think it they there needs to be earmarked. I think you probably need three, four, I potentially five players, but you're right, you'd rather get quality over quantity. Because you went down the quantity route far too many times in the past. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it spoke volumes that Levy thought he had his right man in the manager with slot. And then after they asked for 10 or 15 million or something to get him out of his contract, we immediately backed away from it. Just go and get the right person. Um, but that's, that's the end of our podcast today. I think I've, I've done talking about Spurs for a lifetime, probably. Um out of your picks, John, who would you say needs the biggest summer? Spurs, Spurs or Leicester? I think Leicester have a, probably actually probably Leicester, um, based on the lack of investment in the last three seasons and the amount of players that will be leaving. I genuinely think you're looking at you'll have a goalkeeper, you'll have a centre half. That's such a big job, and they need to get the right man in the door as quick as possible to start the rebuild. So I think Leicester is probably the biggest job, um, but I think Spurs is a very close second. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I would pick from mine. I'd pick Leeds just because it's not just the playing staff, the manager; it's the owners too. So they've certainly got a lot of work to do. Uh, thank you very much, as always, John, uh, for joining me on the podcast today. Um, obviously, listeners at home, if you did enjoy it, please share with it someone you know and um, put your notifications on so you can see when our next podcast is any final thoughts john not from myself um hopefully talking about spurs will get better for you in the next few weeks but uh we had to cover it anyway and look forward to the podcast next week yeah me too cheers john bye